Good morning. We're going to focus on the idea of member membership, church membership. Membership matters. It does really matter. Membership matters. I like to drop in on people's conversations, and that happened just a moment ago. Dropped in on. Carlene and Eulene's conversation back there. I want you to know what they were talking about. Something I had not thought about in a long time, but I thoroughly love. A potato chip sandwich with mayonnaise. A potato chip sandwich. I ate a ton of those when I was little. I love those things. And Eulene was talking about it, and she was getting Carlene excited about it. And so they may be having that very thing today. Do you remember a potato chip sandwich? And Yuling was talking about maybe if you add a tomato there, it makes it even better. My thought is a banana. You put a banana, crunch it up with potato chips with the appropriate amount of mayonnaise, and you got yourself a sandwich. Membership. Matters. We're talking about church membership. We're talking about local church membership. God organized the church in a local way. That's why we read in our New Testaments about Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the church in Colossae, okay, the church in Jerusalem. We read about the churches of Asia. Revelation chapters 2 and 3, such churches again as Ephesus and Sardis and Laodicea and others. The local church. We could spend an entire week constantly studying the local church. I want to think with you about four pictures of the church and then the uh, things we derive from those four pictures. Here are the four pictures. Flock, family, building, and body. Okay. God gives us a, these pictures of the church, the local church. The church is a flock, is a flock, like sheep. We're like a flock. And um, the elders of the church are instructed to feed uh, the flock of God. Acts 20, verse 28. Jesus presents himself as the good shepherd. He's the head of the church. But uh, we are his flock. And then we are his family as well. The second picture to keep in mind today is family. Paul and to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 15, he says, uh, I'm writing these things to you that you may learn how to behave yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God. And so the church is a, is a family. It's a family. The church, of course, is the body of Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It's the body of Christ. And several different members make up the body of Christ. And the church is a building, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. We are God's building. We're God's building. And so let's keep these pictures in mind as we make our observations. Okay. First of all, uh, 
this morning. First of all, church membership is tied to our surrendering to Jesus. Church membership is tied to our initial surrendering, our initial obedience uh, to the gospel. This is very important, very important. You recall that through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, we find ourselves in Christ, Galatians 3, 27. Many of you, as were baptized into Christ, uh, did put on Christ. And so we find ourselves in Christ. But notice with that, Notice Romans 12 and verse 5. Romans 12, verse 5. It says, uh, So we, being many, are one body in Christ. Notice that carefully. We, as a church, being many, we are one body. Notice where we're at. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. So to be in Christ is to be in the church. And we see this pattern in Acts chapter 2 as those who responded to Peter's instructions, Acts 2.38, to repent and be baptized for the, for the remission of your sins. They were added unto the number. They were added unto the church, Acts 2.41, Acts 2.47. So the pattern there is that you're converted, you're added, and then you're involved. Okay. And so it's tied, church membership is tied to our initial surrendering uh, to Jesus. Notice this passage in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. Very exciting little passage here about obedience. Notice it's addressed to the church, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, local, to those who are sanctified in Christ, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place who have called upon the name of our Lord Jesus, both their Lord and ours. Notice a couple things about that. When we submit to Christ, then we are automatically in fellowship with others who have done the same. Okay. And notice here how he describes those who are in Christ. These are the ones who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, doesn't that ring a bell? Those who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember, as uh, Saul of Tarsus, and he's now in a very penitent, regretful uh, state of mind, and Ananias comes to him, Acts twenty two sixteen. He says, why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord. Being baptized puts them in Christ. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to all those who have done this very thing and find themselves in Christ. And so that's, that's our first, that ought to be our first point this morning, okay? It's because church membership is tied to our initial obedience. We are bound by Christ and no one else. We are bound by Christ and nothing else. Okay? We are drawn together based on what the Lord has done for us and our response to Him. We are not drawn together by likability. Okay? We, are not, it's, we are not drawn together by likability okay? because we like each other. We're not drawn together because of that. We're drawn together because of Christ. It's theological. It's not, it's not emotional. Okay? Our obedience is intellectual. 
It's, it's not social. Okay? We're not here at church. We ought not be here at church because other people have all things in common with every aspect of our lives. Okay? We're not drawn together because of that. Okay? We're drawn together because of Christ. Okay? That makes a true church. All right? Not everybody walking around behind the name church is a true church because they haven't been drawn together properly. The true church is bound by Christ alone, you see, not by likability, not by because we have things in common, okay? We don't go up to somebody and say, oh, you're a farmer. We got some farmers here at church. Come on, come on, you, you belong here. That's not what we do. You like sports? You like sports? Hey, we got a lot of people at church that like sports. You you a football fan or what? Are you a soccer fan? We got people. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's not what we do. That's not what the church does. That's not what binds us together. Okay? You, you like Facebook? We got some Facebookers and real good Facebookers. Why don't you come and you can associate with them? That's not what we're drawn. We are drawn to the cross. We're drawn to Jesus and our response to him. You can see that. You can see that. Bad thing is that most people today look at church just like what we were talking about. They look at it from a self standpoint. You know, even though the Bible says deny yourself a thousand times over, deny yourself, die to yourself, they still look at church as something selfish. Okay? They want to find a group that's a lot like them. They want to find a group that has a world a lot like their world. Okay? They want to find people who are grooved into life just like they're grooved into life. But that's not what draws us uh, together. Okay. So first and foremost, church membership is tied to our surrendering uh, to our Lord Jesus. Secondly, this morning, church membership means closeness and togetherness. Closeness and togetherness. Now, one of the pictures of the church is a body, a body. Now, if I cut off my hand and lay it on a shelf, okay, it will, it will look like a hand. Okay. But since it is separated from the body, it's not really a hand anymore. Of what use is that detached hand? Okay. On a side note, you can take a make-believe detached hand and try to scare the ladies at ladies' class. Okay. But other than that, there's no use to it for a detached hand, okay? And there's no use for a detached Christian, okay? Can't really be a member and be unattached. That's what the ideal here is. We are members of the, of the body of Christ, okay? And we are one, but we're many. We're many. Now... One sheep does not make a flock. One person does not make a family. One brick does not make a building. And one body part does not make a body. As Romans 12, 5 says, as 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, we are many, but we're one body. And this one body has many members. And so God expects a closeness and, and a togetherness just like members of the 
physical body. You can't miss it in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, 44, the believers were together. Acts 2, 44, the believers were together and they had all things come. Or what about in the early church we read Acts 4 and 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, one heart, one soul. It's, it's hard to miss. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 mentions how that we are workers together with the Lord. We labor together with the Lord. Notice the, the work, but notice the, the Lord and notice the togetherness uh, that is to be there. Paul encourages in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, he encourages us to, to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's, that's the church right there, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this one's really a favorite of mine. Philippians 1.27 is one that I have marked right here in my Bible. Philippians 1.27, Paul says, With one mind, with one mind, we are, be, we are to be striving together, or literally, we are to be striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, why are we standing side by side with one mind? For the faith of the gospel. That's what brings us together. That's what holds us together. That's what, that's what binds us together. That's why we continue together is for the faith of the gospel and for no other reason. Okay. It's hard to miss the togetherness that God does indeed expect. You see, being a Christian is an individual choice, but God doesn't expect us to fly solo all during our lives. He wants us to be attached to the local church. He doesn't want us, to, you know, he does, we mentioned in Bible class this morning how that we must fight Satan. We must fight Satan. But he doesn't want us doing it all by ourselves. He doesn't want us out here in a, in, in a sea of world, just an island, a, a detached island out there in the, in the midst of, of the world of sea. He wants us attached. He wants us to be together as we stand against Satan and his forces, you see. There is a tendency, there is a tendency toward being isolated in today's world. It always has been a tendency. It's much easier just to go at it by yourself, make up your own mind, not try to, it's harder to work with other people. It's hard to work with other people. It's hard, but that's what God expects. Going back to Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, he says, this is how you do it. You do it with love and patience and long-suffering. Okay. And if we're not teaching our, our young ones, if we're not teaching our young people, okay, no matter what their age, whether it's 9 or 10 or, or uh, 15 or 19 and 20, if we're not teaching them that part of being a church is to be long-suffering and patient with one another, then we have, we're missing of the boat altogether. And so, secondly this morning, church membership means a closeness and togetherness. And thirdly this morning, church membership, it means commitment. Yeah, C word. It means commitment. It means commitment. You see, in a family, which the church is pictured to us as a family, you're with the family until death. Until death do you part. I belong to Kelly until she 
decides to finally, eventually, one day, just kill me. Okay. Uh, I, I belong to her. Till death do us part. Okay. I am Anna's dad from, from henceforth. I'm Kayla's dad. I'm Andrew's dad. I'm Sophia's granddaddy. You are too. You are, you are part of a family until you know no more, until you you absolutely can't thrive or can't survive anymore. You are there. And God didn't accidentally throw in these pictures of family and, and church. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Timothy was to look to the older ladies as moms, the younger ladies as sisters, and to his fellow men as brothers. We are, we are family. We are family. And that means, that means commitment that commitment through and through. Back in the 1960s, the emphasis was on, on a new kind of love. You know, people wanted to get married, but they didn't want to, well, they wanted to be together. They didn't want to deal with a piece of paper and get married. They just wanted to live together. Okay. They wanted to be free. They wanted to be free. They wanted to be able to move in to a relationship and move out. We don't need no piece of paper was the cry back in the 1960s. Okay. But those that live together without marriage are not married. And those who are unattached from church membership are really not pleasing God and not really a member, a true church member. Okay. And so it requires... Commitment. It requires commitment. Some get disturbed on this because they begin looking for the perfect church. Okay? They're looking for the perfect church. If you're looking for the perfect church, be sure to inform God about it because not even God knows of a perfect church. God, there's never one that has been known about in the history of man that there is a perfect church. Uh, church. So if you find the perfect church, be sure to tell God about it so that, so that even he can know about it. If you find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll make a mess of it. Okay. And I will too. Because all of us, because we're all sinners, we're messy. So don't go there because you'll make a, I would too, I'd make a mess of it if I found perfect church. So we need to extinguish that idea from our minds. Again, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, long-suffering and patience and truth is what makes and what causes us to understand God's will in this, in this regard. Some people get disturbed when you think about commitment. They get disturbed by, by oddities. There's, there's odd people there. There's odd people. The preacher looks dumb and odd and out of date and and, and there's just odd people there. As if there's not odd people in your family, right? Are you saying that? Who will stand up and say, I don't have a single odd person in my family? Okay. Oh, I freely admit it. Okay. My grandpa Cooper on my mother's side, he was completely, completely odd. Just kind and loving and doing anything for his grandchildren. But he would show up at night sometimes at 8 o'clock, 8.30 without announcing, without calling, without anything, he'd show up and he'd have, he'd have a pack of dominoes with him. And he would come in and sit down at our kitchen table and he would sit there until somebody came by and played some dominoes with him. Okay. But in the process, he would also always offer his grandkids chew tobacco. Okay. 
real, I'm not talking about just play stuff, I'm not real chew tobacco. My mother would always go around and slap him on the shoulder when he did that, and he would just giggle and say, oh, it'd be good for him. He'd keep offering, me and my brother, he'd offer us chew tobacco. That's just, that's just odd, okay? That's just odd. And I hadn't even got to the family reunions. <laughs> of course, there's going to be odd people. You've got people that are going to have oddities. You've got oddities. Okay. But isn't that what God is doing? In Genesis 3, we're reading this morning, man become broken because of his, of his willingness to follow Satan. Man become broken. And ever since, really even before that, God has orchestrated a plan through Jesus and His church to reconcile a broken people back to Himself. And that will be completely resolved once we get to heaven. So it takes commitment. Church membership means commitment. Here's the ultimate question. And we can say this is the ultimate question because 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 says we ought to be example of the believers. That's all of us. We must be an example of the believers. So here's the ultimate question. If every church member was just like me, then what kind of church would we have? Okay. And I should ask that of myself, but then also you and me both should ask that of ourselves. In the fourth place, church membership means order. O-R-D-E-R. Order, structure, organization. Order. That's what church membership means. Order. Going back to a family, the family idea. How can a family function if you don't know who's in the family and who's not in the family? How can a family function? Okay. Suppose you got this dad and he, he, he drives up in this busy neighborhood with a bunch of kids and he rolls down his window and he says, Okay, children, come to daddy. Okay, children, come to daddy. Well, first of all, he probably needs to be arrested. Okay. But then secondly, that's not family. A dad calls his own children by name. By name. Because he knows who, who they are and who they're not. Okay. A family cannot function otherwise, can it? Going back to this passage in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, really all of Paul's opening remarks Corinth or Ephesus or, or Philippians or Colossians. Okay, notice this. How did they know that they were the ones to receive the letter? And how is it that Paul knew to write the letter that he wrote to that group of people? Because they had figured out who was in Christ in Ephesus. And who wasn't? Who was in Christ in Corinth? It was obvious. And who wasn't? Okay. The letter was not intended for, for people who, who could not make the commitment. But it was for those who were sanctified in Christ. Those who were committed uh, to Jesus. Those were the ones that expected to read the letter. And those were the ones to whom Paul uh, wrote. So much of the New Testament could not even be obeyed if we didn't understand that there must be order and structure. That's what, that's what church means. That's what family uh, means. Think about, well, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 18, 15 to 18, 
Jesus is dealing with a rebellious uh, church member. And different efforts are made to reconcile. And then finally, he says, if none of those efforts are at work, then tell it to the church. Tell it to the church. All right? That doesn't make any sense if you don't know who's in the church and who's not. You see? It requires order and structure and membership. In 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3, the instruction to elders are, is this, to shepherd the flock which is among you and be an example. Okay. How can you shepherd if you don't know who's with you and who's not? In Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, you who are spiritual, restore those who are overtaken in the fault with spirit and meekness. Okay? If you don't know who's to be with you and who's not, then how can you go after those who have been overtaken in a fall? And numerous examples could be, could be shared. And so we see here this morning, membership matters. Why? Because it is tied to our obedience to Christ, but also it matters because of togetherness. It matters because of, of structure and order. It matters because of commitment. But then, finally, church membership matters because of teamwork. Teamwork. You cannot read about the church without thinking about a team. Without a team. The body itself being comprised of eyes and ears, nose, mouth, hands, and foot, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 12 through uh, 28 there. Uh, it's a team working together. Most of the time, we don't even have to think about the team that's working together within our physical body. So, the Lord's church is a team. Is a team. Did you ever play on a team? I played on teams. Okay. I played, I played baseball. I played little league baseball. I played on the infield. Okay. Played shortstop part of the time, first baseman part of the time. I played on the infield. Okay. And what was our relationship? What was our communication uh, to each other? It was always upbuilding. It was always upbuilding. What do you think we would say to the pitcher? Okay. We would encourage him on. We would tell him, you know, throw strikes, throw strikes. We're out here, we'll back you up. If someone hit our pitcher, we would say, don't worry about that one. We'll get that back. All we lack is two more outs, one more out. We'll get in there. We'll get that run back. Constant building up, constant encouragement. What would you think? Okay. We just never even entered our little minds ever. But what would you think, now that I have been cursed to become an adult, what would you think of someone going up to the pitcher right in the middle of the game and saying, hey, if you were just like that other pitcher on the other team, we would be so much better off. Or what if the first baseman and, and second baseman called a timeout and got together and said, you know, if we just could get that pitcher that, that the All-Stars have or the Astros have, then, then we would be so much better off. That's not a team. And yet there are folks in the church who have been in the church forever, 
who do that very thing. Paul condemns this, by the way, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says he condemns the idea of comparing ourselves to other Christians. Okay? He condemns that outright. But that works against teamwork. And so when you're on an infield, it's nothing but constant encouragement because utterly we want to be successful. We're instructed in Hebrews uh, 3, 12 and 13 that we are to exhort, encourage, edify one another daily lest we be overcome with the deceitfulness of sin. Okay. We are workers together with, with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 says. And so you've got a baseball team that's out there just encouraging each other for something that really doesn't matter. Okay. How much more should Christians be encouraging one another, building one another up, because we're laboring together with God. Teamwork. Teamwork. Because I was brought up half, half the time on a, on a field, either a football or a baseball field or a basketball court, I listen a lot. I listen to coaches... One of the best coaches around, believe it or not, is, is Coach Nick Saban. He's one of the best coaches around, right? Just best. I mean, he just has been there. Okay, not that doesn't have anything to do with being a fan of this or that. He's just a good coach. I listen to him. Okay, and every time he repeats this, every, every time before a big game, he repeats this. He's, he'll go to the media and they'll want to know what his strategy is. Okay. He'll just say, look, I just talk to my team and I tell them we're going to do what we're capable of doing. And I just try to get them focused on what our strengths are, not on what our weaknesses are. We just focus on our strength. I encourage them that they'll stick to what they can do. And if each one will do their part, then good things will happen. Okay. And that's just plain common sense. And that needs to be picked up. That type of thing needs to be picked up in the local church because we are a team and it takes teamwork. And so that's all I've got to say. We could say more, but that's all I've got to say. Just these five things. I enjoy talking about the Lord's church because I, know, I don't know anything else from way little at Curry Church of Christ near Smith Lake. I sat right back there where Jamie is sitting right now. I grew up right back there. And I listened and I listened and I began to participate. I began to know the men and know the teachers and I just know nothing else. I just know nothing else. One thing we did do in those days, okay, the air conditioner vent come up out of the floor right beside our pew. Now, of course, Jimmy and Judy Barker could not ever change pews. Okay. And I, at that point, I didn't have enough sense to get up and move away from mom and dad. And so I would sit right on top of the vent and freeze until we had sense enough to cover up those vents with a song book. Okay. And then we were on our way. We could survive. But I, I love the church just as you do. Because the, the Lord died for us. He died for the church, gave himself up for it.
If you need to come home to Jesus this very morning, will you make that known right now as we stand together as we sing?